We're back together for our Summer Together podcast here in our St. Paul's community with uh, Jack Levison, who comes from Perkins School of Theology and teaches Old Testament there. So glad to have you again, Jack, uh, for this week and to keep walking together through the book of Genesis uh, this summer. So wherever you are, uh, whether you're here in Houston, um, wherever life is taking you uh, this summer, uh, we're glad to be um, connected together at least this way through Bible study. Um, so I hope you're enjoying this uh, in your commute or on your vacation or in your jog or wh- wherever else it's taken you. So, um, But this week, uh, Jack, we're coming out of the really difficult uh, story a few chapters before in Genesis of Abraham's um, taking Isaac and, and taking him to the place of sacrifice and then having this sort of last-minute uh, provision of the ram that um, comes, from, uh, comes from God in the story that allows, uh, that allows Isaac to be saved and the promise of the generations to continue. Um, so we come out of that really challenging story. There's really no bow to tie on that one. Um, just good to talk about. And so if you didn't listen to that one, it's in last week's podcast. We'd uh, encourage you to, to take, a, take a listen to that one. Uh, but this week, um, we jump back into the, the family lineage here in Genesis um, and uh, start to do a little family, more family drama, right, Jack? Drama. Lots of drama. Lots of drama. So, <laughs> uh, so we jump over to chapter 24 in Genesis, if you're following along that way, um, for more of that drama. Yeah. Well, in Genesis 24, Abraham's very old. And so he wants to send his servant out to find Isaac a wife. But interestingly, he refuses to let Isaac have a wife from the daughters of the Canaanites, he said, among whom I live. Remember last time what Abraham was doing. He was sojourning among the Philistines. Right. He was an alien. And he was having to deal with these men who stole his well and then said, we didn't steal the well. And so he doesn't like the people he's living with particularly well. So he doesn't want Isaac to have a child of the Canaanites, the people who live in the land, but he wants to go back to his kindred, which is very interesting. Remember all the way in chapter 12, go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house Now Abraham says, I want Isaac to have a wife from my kindred. Reaching back to the the secure, the place from where we came. Which I think is another indication that his experience, even though all of Genesis is put in sort of God's providence, God's leading, God's action, Abraham's experience is, I want my son to know family. I want my son to know family. As tortured as family is, I want my son to know family. I want him to marry his cousin. It's a messy family, but it's our our family, right? It's our family. It is what we have. So he says, take your son, take, take, go in Isaac's stead and find a woman who will be able to do this. Now, if you ever want to do a doctoral dissertation, anybody out there wants to do a doctoral dissertation, in verse 2, Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his house, who had charge of all that he had, 
put your hand under my thigh and I'll make you swear by the Lord. Well, that has been one of the most intriguing things for people to solve. Put your hand under my thigh. It must have been some ancient oath or something. But yeah. if you want to... We talk about the ancient handshake, but then there's the hand under the thigh. The hand the thigh. under the thigh. Put, yeah. We really don't know what it means, but... Um, hopefully no sorority fraternity out there. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully they stick with the handshake. The hand under the thigh. Yeah, keep the hand away from the thigh, okay? But um, we really don't know what that means. But we do know that Abraham is basically saying, go out and get a son from the kindred for my... Uh, a wife from her from my kindred for Isaac and then he says to the servant the servant says well what if uh, what if uh, I can't get the woman to come back with me which is a very good practical question what if she doesn't right. come back to me and Abraham says it doesn't matter then then don't worry about the oath you're you're fine either way your job is to identify a woman who is from the kindred and the way apparently he's, this is a very long story, and you only have a few verses in the lectionary. Right. The way apparently he is going to identify this woman is when he wants water from her, she'll also give the camels water. And so that's basically the story. And then in verse, no, actually, no, we need to go through this too. In verse 15, before he had finished speaking, he's talking to God and saying, okay, I hope this woman comes around who's going to feed the camels water. Before he had finished speaking, poof, there was Rebecca, who is kindred. And that's really where the story begins to heat up, where it really begins to take a lot of energy. Because in verse 16, the girl was very fair to look upon, a virgin, a young woman whom no man had known. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me sip a little water from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly lowered her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she'd finished giving him a drink, she said, and now that kind of you had a nice music track on playing in the background. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I will draw for your camels also until they finish drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. Interesting, right? <laughs> Gazed in silence. I, think probably, I don't know what that Hebrew word is, but ah, oh, you know, just... Oh. And that's how I'm going to know. This was a good trip. Uh, I accomplished what I came to I did exactly what I came. Abraham is going to be amazed. I didn't just get a woman. I got one heck of a woman here for Isaac. Okay. So if you take a step back, and we're still not at the lectionary text, but that's really repetitive. That's just going to repeat all this stuff. Notice who's not here, right? Isaac right. is not here. This is, this is his spouse we're talking about. This is his, his wife. spouse, but Isaac doesn't go. You think he'd want to, but he doesn't go. And that fits perfectly with Isaac throughout the rest of the story. Isaac is never an active player. He is always passive. So remember, at the end of his life, he can't see anymore, and he has to bless his sons. Where does he bless them? On his bed. 
he's never active. And that's why I think it is wrong to think about this as the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Interesting. Because it really isn't Isaac who does the work here. So... Uh, so Isaac is kind of a, he's a symbol of the lineage. He's That's uh, all he is. Yeah, yeah, he's a symbol in lots of these stories, but he's not a prime. You're saying he's not a prime. He's not a player as far as. He's not a player. Right. He is not a player. He's the lineage, but he's not the player in the story. Who's the player in this story? Look at this. And this, again, that book I talked about, The Art of Biblical Narrative by Robert Alter, has a great discussion of this well scene here. Notice the kind of woman who's going to, come up here in verse 15 of 24, before he had finished speaking. We learned something about Rebecca already. Before he had finished, finished speaking, poof, there's Rebecca. This woman is quick. Notice how many times it says, she did this quickly. She did this quickly, right? Where is it? Uh, um, verse 18. Verse 18. She verse quickly lowered her jar. Verse 20. She quickly emptied her jar. She's quick. She's active. She takes initiative. Before he's even done speaking, poof, she's there. So what you see here is what's going to characterize the next 10 chapters or so. Isaac's going to be a very passive character. Rebecca's going to be doing everything. So on Isaac's deathbed, when he can't see, she does what? She takes Jacob, her favored son, and she dresses him in all this furry wool or whatever it is, and Isaac, the passive Isaac, thinks that's Esau. Right. Passes the blessing on because Rebecca uh, uh, initiated, she drove it. Yeah. She drove. She drives the story from here on out. And you've got to love her because she's so active that she keeps driving the story. In fact, later on, we'll go a little bit farther down, so in verse 22, the camels finished drinking and the man took all these beautiful things, a nose ring and all these sorts of things, and gives it to her. And again, they talk who she is. It's all about kinship and who's your father and who's your mother and this sort of thing. And the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken steadfast love and faithfulness toward my master as for me, the Lord has led me on the way to the house of my master's kin. So he knows what's happening, and he is happy about that. Right. And we're still not to the lectionary text. What does the girl do? What's the next verb in verse 28? The girl ran and told her mother, perfectly in character with Rebecca. She's on the scene before the guy speaks finished speaking, quickly lowers her jar, quickly lifts her jar. When she goes to her mother, she runs to the mother. And we'll bracket Laban for now, her brother, because Laban basically sees all the gifts and he knows what he wants. But let's bracket Laban for time yeah. right now. We'll come back to Laban in the Jacob story. Um, but basically, she had offered the servant fodder for the camels, and a place to sleep. And now Laban does exactly the same thing. He offers fodder for the camels and a place to sleep. But Laban offers it second. Rebecca had the autonomy and the initiative to offer it first. I know I'm doing a lot of talking here, Tommy, but you'll, we'll it's get good. you in it's in a second. We'll get you in a second. And then at the end of the story, they decide that she's going to be Isaac's wife, Right? 
And in what verse are we in? We go down, way down. 34 is where the lectionary picks it up. Yeah, it picks it up, but that's all kind of repetitive. Uh, he's just retelling the story again about the oath that he had with Abraham and getting a wife from the kindred, and then that he saw Rebecca, and it's all worked out. And then in verse 45, he says, Before I'd finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her water, on her water jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew, and I said to her, Please give me drink. It's is all repetitive. She quickly let down her jar from her yeah. shoulder. Yeah. It is not lost on the servant how quick and sharp she was. So, he gives a lot of gifts to Rebecca, to her brother Laban, and to Rebecca's mother. And then, at the very end of the story, you're about verse 40, about um, 55... They want to know if Rebecca is going to go with the servant. They want some time with Rebecca. So they try to figure out, should we send Rebecca right away, or should we let Rebecca stay with us, and then you can come and get her later on? This, is, I think, is fascinating. We're still in chapter 24. We're still in the latter part of chapter 24. Very long chapter, full of repetition because it's so important. Um, the brother and mother say, let the girl remain with us for a while, at least 10 days. After that, she may go. But the servant said to them, well, okay, you can keep her for 10 days, but don't delay me since the Lord has made my journey successful. I'm so anxious to get back and tell Abraham. Let me go that I may go to my master. So they want him to delay he wants to go right away. What do they do? They say, we will call the girl and ask her. Unprecedented. We'll let the girl decide her own fate, but such is the girl, Rebecca, that she is allowed to decide her own fate. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will. So they sent away their sister, Rebecca. Incredible story. Here is Isaac, the patriarch, who plays no role at all. And here is Rebecca, this remarkable woman. And I, you know, I know I've talked a lot, but because she does so much, yes. she's quick, she's uh, light on her feet. Sharp. Sharp, so much so that her brother and her mother let her make a decision about whether she's going to go or stay. And I can't imagine that in the ancient world. I was going to say, in the ancient world, that is just unheard of so I mean in the, many worlds today that's unheard of in many of. worlds today that's unheard of so that the that the folks composing Genesis and this story would have that level of detail in who's who's got the autonomy who's got the decision making power who's granted that decision making power in this story is, is remarkable yes and it probably takes a lot to reinforce that this girl and she is only a girl is allowed to be the author of her own fate. Right, so she's at an age, right, where she would still be... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and yes. even older, this would be a remarkable if she was a grown woman, but... A uh, single grown woman with a brother living and a mother living that she could decide her own fate? Remarkable. Yeah, remarkable. In this earliest, one of the earliest stories. Wow. Yeah, so I, I think maybe part of the repetition is it's a little hard to believe. 
And so you have to emphasize the quickness of Rebecca. I mean, twice she appears before he finishes speaking yeah. uh, or praying in his heart. Um, she's so active with the camel. She's so active with him. She offers hospitality, not Laban. Laban's just an afterthought, her brother. So what do you think about that? I mean, in the ancient world, this is a really remarkable uh, uh, story to, to be lifting up Rebecca. And I, I'm, I'm compelled by what you've said. Uh, the lineage really, really ought to recite this Abraham, Rebecca, Jacob, way, Joseph, yes. right? In a way. Uh, They're in the kindred. She's kindred. Why not? She's kindred. They went back home to, to, uh, to ha find her and to have her as a central part of the, of the story. So, yeah. uh, gosh, I mean, we can... I mean, we can we can understand that at a level in the 21st century, and we've we've got a lot of examples of uh, women who have taken on great roles of leadership, who and all the rest of it. But in the ancient world, what what could you say a little more about the significance of lifting up Rebecca in this way, in this context? Why that would have been done? Why was that important here? Um, was it just a reflection on who Isaac wasn't, and who Rebecca became? Just sort of telling the the truth of the narrative, or uh, what, I mean, what sort of intentionality is underneath the lifting of Rebecca? I don't know. Just, or is it just the telling of the story? I, uh, I think these people knew how to tell stories in fresh and surprising ways. If we went back over these podcasts, you know, the, the juxtaposition of fixing the plumbing and sacrificing your son. Or we looked at another one. Oh, Sarah laughing. And then in the next scene, she's jealous of Hagar. She has nothing to be jealous of. And it's the way they put stories together in such fresh ways that if we don't read them as Sunday school stories, if we read them as adults, and if we read them slowly. There was one book that made college campuses how to read slowly. It was a great book, apparently, teaching college students how to read slowly. If we read this slowly, you think about Genesis 22 and the Isaac and Abraham sacrifice story, the Akedah. If you read that quickly, you get nothing out of it. God rescues Abraham. Yay, we're happy with that. But if you read the two of them went on together, your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, my son, my son, if you read it slowly, yeah. intentionally, you get the story. You also realize that you're an outsider to that story. You're not in the intimacy. You're allowed to watch it. Then you go to 24, and the story is repetitive. You have the oath between Abraham and the servant. Then the servant actually makes it happen. Then the servant retells it, and I believe retells it again. It's actually four parts. Mm -hmm. And in that, you have the persistent absence of Isaac and the persistent initiative of Rebecca, an unexpected young woman able to really determine in, in some ways, I'm sure people would say she doesn't determine her own fate, she's being given to Isaac as a wife, but it seems to be something she wants to do. So, yeah, and even she's right. So in the context of the ancient world, she, she is, uh, with all of its uh, in, in, uh, cumbersome elements to it, right, uh, she is being sought after, she is being brought back to be betrothed to someone else, but in the midst of that context and that narrative she has initiation she has some level of of will and control she does uh, and uh she is not having to surrender that in places they're surrendering to her that's right 
they gave her the choice. Unheard of. They give, they give Rebecca the, church, the choice. Do you want to go or not? I want to go. So there's agency there? Right? Tremendous agency there. Agency, autonomy, authority, all in a girl. And so, you know, it's one thing when we look at women of the Bible and we lift up the more traditional women, Deborah and others like that. But I think it's very important to not lift up, simply pay attention to women who are embedded in the narrative okay. in such a way that they're given autonomy in the constraints of life. They have an incredible autonomy, even in constraints. We all operate with constraints. Certainly, Hagar's constraints were enormous. Rebecca's constraints are less, but still tremendous constraints. Yeah, right. Rachel and Leah, who will marry Jacob, I think in the next podcast, Right. Talk about constraints. Yeah. They have no voice really whatsoever. So within those constraints and understanding what those are for Rebecca, still the story itself, we don't have to lift her up. The story itself tells, her. Yes, that's it. tells her, right? Yeah. It, we just need to pay attention to the way the story talks about her. I like that. And we see. Like but we that. have to read slowly to do that. And that's why I think the Bible is inspired. It has these ways of telling things that if we're able to pay attention we could be inspired by scripture. All right, so listeners, when you're, uh, uh, when you're reading these stories this summer, you, it's a slow drink, right, Jack? I mean, it's you want to, yeah. yeah, you want to. Well, be careful what in. you say about the slow drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wherever Sober you are, you Sober might be on the beach somewhere or you might be sitting somewhere enjoying something. But uh, we, hope you're, uh, we hope you're drinking in these stories uh, like we are and enjoying yourself yeah. um, uh, wherever the story finds you. Um, Jack, thanks so much. Look forward to next week. Yeah, me too. Me too.